but they'll rag on their pastor or they'll rag on, on some uh, television evangelist and, you know, or some other uh, minister that's uh, well-known or at least in the public eye to some extent uh, and just go on and on about all their faults and failures. And, you know, you wonder, well, well, but what have you given up for the Lord? You know, most of these people have quit jobs and, and uh, stepped out in faith and traveling and, and doing things like that. You know, what have you given up for the Lord? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's never in good taste to do that anyway. If they're not here to defend themselves, then, uh, you know, uh, what, what, uh, what have they gone through that you don't know? You know, what have they done that you don't know about? Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, unless you know everything there is to know about something, you know, it's better just not say anything about anything. Amen. Uh, especially when it comes to other ministers, you know, I don't, you know, what they did was wrong. Well, um, last time I checked, you know, Romans chapter 14 says that we are not, who, in fact, it asks the question, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? And the context of that is in judging other people for what they're doing. Uh, and specifically in that, it's talking about some people who don't eat meat and some people who do eat meat. And they was talking about those who eat meat or judging those who didn't eat meat because they said they were weak in faith. And Paul said they were weak in faith. But um, uh, does that mean we should judge them and condemn them because they're weak in faith? Well, if you were strong in faith like me, <laughs> is that right? Yeah, you're my hero, right? So, um, so a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll find somebody else's fault uh, and, and uh, you know, elevate that fault and magnify that fault in somebody else. Uh, and we miss uh, the, the uh, great wisdom of Jesus of, why are you looking at the speck in your brother's eye and miss the log or the beam in your own eye? <laughs> so he's saying most of the time we see some failure or fault in somebody else's life. Those in our own life are much bigger than that. Uh, and if we would deal with it, because if all you're looking for is somebody else's faults, you've got big problems in your life. Amen. Uh, and if you don't have any, any compassion or grace in your life to overlook something. Uh, and so, you know, all of that is, you know, you learn those things many times. Uh, by being married, but again, you don't have to be married to learn those things. Uh, you know, there's nothing that you have to go through that you can, that you can't learn through the Word of God and and and, um, and the Spirit of God. But it does make it a little easier sometimes when you have to confront it every day. You know, and you don't have to, you can't put it off like you can do other things. Amen. Uh, and so, happy anniversary, sweetheart. Tomorrow will be 32 years, and um, looking forward to another 32 years. Uh, and so. Why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for blessing us, speaking to us. We thank you, Father, uh, that your word is true, that you've given us your word, Father, to build our faith upon, and that you've given us the spirit of God to reveal your word to us. And so, Father, we depend upon the spirit of God. We ask him to reveal and to teach and to instruct and to show us. And, Father, as he, do, as he does do those things, we will have open hearts, receptive minds, Father, to receive the things that he's spoken to us. And so we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God, we have been uh, talking about the prayer of speaking in tongues, and I think uh, we're, we're probably finished that up tonight. Um, it's, uh, uh, we went through last week kind of the summary from, I think, the beginning of time until uh, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus of the great plan of redemption uh, and that how the goal of redemption was not the removal of sins or even even the recreation of our bodies uh, or of our spirits, rather. Uh, that was not the end game, end goal of redemption. The end goal of redemption was to have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. 
And everything else before that, it was required to get to that point. So he had to deal with sin. He had to deal with authority. He had to deal with redemption. He had to deal with uh, our spirits becoming brand new. All of those things were necessary to get to the point of us having the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Uh, and I always wonder, this is just a question. I don't 100% know the answer to it. My, you know, I'll tell you what my opinion, what my opinion is. Uh, but uh, back in the garden, if you remember, there were two trees that, uh, that were of note in the Garden of Eden, right? I'm sure there were many more trees, probably thousands or millions of other trees. Uh, but uh, there were two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And the Lord told Adam to not eat of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, uh, how many times have you been told not to do something and that's the only thing you ever want till the, the rest of your life, right? Don't eat brownies. That's all I want. The rest of my life is brownies, right? Uh, and so, uh, but you know, the Lord never told him he couldn't eat of the tree of life, but he never did because after he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Lord said, well, we've got to throw him out of the garden because he may eat of the tree of life and then, and then be basically stuck in the situation that he's in. Uh, but I always wonder if the tree of life didn't really represent the Holy Spirit because, um, you know, even with Jesus, he lived on the earth for 30 years before he received the the uh, the spirit of God, before the spirit of God descended upon him. So there was a period of time that he had to grow to get to a point where where he was not that he was qualified, but, you know, maybe that he knew enough and was aware enough uh, in some ways to be able to receive the Holy Spirit uh, there in the River Jordan. Uh, and again, it's just, you know, if you have a different opinion, you know, it's fine. I'm not going to argue about it because we don't really have a lot of details. But just looking at the whole plan that the Lord had set everything up because the goal is he wanted to get the spirit of God in, in men. But in order to do that, we had to be qualified to receive the spirit of God by being born again. And so uh, I think the Lord always desired that there was going to be a work of the Holy Spirit uh, beyond even what he did in the creation of Adam. Uh, and uh, my my. I'm not going to say strong opinion because it's not really a strong opinion, but my thoughts are, I wonder if that wasn't representation of the Holy Spirit and that he wanted Adam to grow to a certain point and then receive the Spirit of God in his life. Uh, but uh, whether that's true or not, you know, it doesn't really matter. What is true is he had that plan for redemption, that he wants us to have the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And uh, according to all, all the examples we see in the uh, book of Acts, Every single time people receive the Holy Spirit, they also, along with that, receive the accompanying spiritual gift of speaking with other tongues. Uh, and so the way we say, say it is that they receive the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And we just say it that way just because it's one good way to know that you get it, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it's helpful uh, for the, the Christian to speak with other tongues. And according to the Lord and the plan of, of uh, the Lord Jesus as the head of the church, it was always his intention that how many Christians speak with other tongues? All of them, right? There was never intended to be a Pentecostal group and then the non-Pentecostal group, right? That's like having a Christian group and a non-Christian group, right? It was never intended to be two separate camps. And, uh, and, and so uh, that was always the intent that every single Christian speak with other tongues. And, and even today, it, you know, it's been 2,000 years since... It, uh, it's still a little controversial, right? You get in some circles and, and they'll just, you know, you know, they'll, they'll put the little vampire signs up, you know, at you and, and uh, you know, you're of the devil. And I mean, even today, it's like, well, you know, it's not only it's uh, only one of the most well-documented doctrines in the New Testament of speaking with other tongues. I don't know how you avoid it and how you get around it. 
you know, a, a uh, simple reading of the word of God should instruct you to let you know that speaking with other tongues is intended for the entire church and that there are things that you will not never receive from the Lord unless you speak with other tongues because that's the way the head of the church set it up. So if he set it up that way, then, uh, then there's no other way to get some of the things that he's provided for us. And so uh, we had gone through all of chapter 14, uh, 1 Corinthians, and so we're just finishing up uh, a few things. We'd read last week about Jude 120, about building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So uh, praying in the Holy Ghost is, is uh, remember Paul said that I pray with my spirit and I pray with my understanding. Uh, so you can pray in the spirit, which is praying with other tongues. And the result of that is you edify or build yourself up. So if that's one way in, in the primary way that the Lord gives to us to strengthen our spirit man. And we say that that's not for us today then uh, what are you missing out on? Then much of the church is missing out on the ability to edify or build themselves up by praying with other tongues. So can they edify and build themselves up? Well, you know, maybe, but I don't see a lot of scriptures that tell you how to do it other than speaking with other tongues. Uh, and so I can guarantee you this, that your ability to edify yourself is significantly diminished, that you'll never be as strong as you possibly could be spiritually until you speak with other tongues. Can you go to heaven? Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the tongues is not, uh, not a, a necessity to get to heaven. Uh, salvation is, is uh, a necessity to get to heaven. But uh, you will never be as strong as you possibly can be unless you speak with other tongues. And even for the tongue talkers, you know, as tongue talkers, you know, if, if you're not praying in a regular basis uh, in tongues, then you're leaving that strength, you know, uh, out of your life, right? You're, you're not allowing that edification, that building up to come into your life to strengthen you, uh, to build you up uh, so that you're as strong a Christian as you possibly can. Uh, and so if the Lord, as the head of the church, gave us these tools, then we're really responsible uh, to use these tools. Amen. Now, well, I don't like those tools. Well, you should you should take that up with the head of the church. Right. Well, tongues is not for me. You should take that up with the head of the church. Right. I don't believe in speaking in the tongues. You should also take that up with the head of the church because he set all these things up. Amen. Then he said that he would send uh, I will send the comforter. Didn't he say, I will send the comforter? He sent the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, and if you remember when we, we looked at the analogy there that Jesus used in Mark chapter 2 about the wineskin. Remember, the, you had the old wineskin, and then you, then you got the new wineskin, and then you got the new wine in the new wineskin. And so the old wineskin was, was the status of your spiritual person prior to you being born again. Then you become born again, you become a new wineskin, but then you get filled with the, with the new wine in the new wineskin. So the recreation of the old bottle into the new bottle is the work of salvation. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. But then the filling of the, of the bottle with the new wine is the second work of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life, which is being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking of the tongues. Uh, to me, all that makes sense. It all fits with the whole plan from, from Genesis to the book of Revelation. Uh, it, it fits with the plan of God in, uh, in, the, in the church. Uh, and so uh, who are we to tell uh, the Lord Jesus that it's not for us? You know, I told you about, I was talking with a friend of mine one time, and actually I wasn't talking to him. He was talking to somebody else in my presence. You, you ever had somebody do that? Talk to somebody else while you're there for your benefit? Right? And so they weren't talking to me, but they said, well, I, you know, I know that tongues is in the Bible. I said, it's just not for me. 
Now, you know that every word we, we say is recorded in heaven, right? Because remember, the Bible says that you're going to be judged for every single word, right? Uh, every idle word. And, and, um, uh, and so when you get to heaven, the Lord's going to hit play. And, he's, and I guarantee you, that friend of mine, he's going to play that, that uh, sequence of events right there. And, and then he's going to ask questions, right? Well, who's the one who sent the, the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues? And, of course, you know, if they don't know, they're going to have cue cards, I'm sure, in the background. You know, the answer is this, in case you don't know, right? Uh, and so I'm sure that, that, that uh, by then, maybe he'll know that the answer is the Lord Jesus. And he's, well, who's the head of the church? Well, I am. See, so uh, my will was for you to receive the Holy Spirit, but you decided that, that my will is incorrect. Is that right? Uh, is, that, is that what you were saying? That's when it gets to be really uncomfortable, right, uh, with the Lord. Uh, now, he's not going to zap you and send you to, you know, uh, to the gulag or anything like that. Uh, but I imagine that, uh, that he will bring those things up, right? Uh, you remember when the disciples were talking about things and, he, and Jesus was going, what are you all talking about? <laughs> you know, they, they always like, uh, 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 you know, we don't want to talk about that, you know, but he'd made them tell, what are you talking about? Uh, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Uh, you know, it, it always seemed like when they were talking about the worst things, he'd, he'd ask, what are you all talking about, right? Uh, he just, he just that way, right? Because he's always trying to help us, amen? Because it's easy for us to get into certain ruts in our life and to say things and very adamantly, you know, well, tongues isn't for us today. I mean, almost like that's, that's in the Bible, right? So, which, of course, is not in the Bible, but, you know, they pull out some obscure verse out of 1 Corinthians 13 sometimes. But it, that, that's, the, that's the best they can do, and it's really weak at, weak at best anyway. Uh, but they'll say something adamant like that, uh, and, and nobody ever challenges them. You know, but if they were sensitive to the Spirit of God, he would challenge you. Why'd you say that? I didn't say that tongues stopped at the last apostle when he died. You know, uh, I mean, according to some people, there's all kinds of things that stopped when the last apostle died, right? But of course, then that shows their ignorance because number one, there were more than the 12 apostles of the Lamb, right? The, Paul was not an apostle of the Lamb. He was number 13. But then you go through the book of Acts and there's at least 25 named or unnamed apostles uh, mentioned in, in the New Testament because the, the role of the apostle is still in the church and active today. And so, I mean, if you want to make the case, you know, then okay, yeah, I agree 100% that when the last apostle died, tongues stopped, which uh, at this point in time, the last apostle has never died because there's always another apostle somewhere in the earth. Amen. Uh, and of course, they'd probably get mad at you for, for pointing out their lack of understanding of the word of God there, right? But um, so tongues, and we talked about uh, how uh, in way back in the book of Isaiah, it talked about um, the refreshing and the resting that comes with speaking with other tongues. And part of that is, uh, 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 you know, the New Testament talked about how times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. And one of the best things, one of the best values of praying in the spirit is you get to sense the presence of God. Uh, and in that, it causes rest to come into your life. Uh, and and so you should do that. You should pray in tongues on a regular basis. But let's turn back to the book of Acts here in uh, chapter 10. And we'll look and see what. Uh, uh, <clears throat> in this case, uh, this is the story of Cornelius's house. And remember, Cornelius was a Gentile, so he was not a Jew, uh, but he loved the Lord. And an angel appeared to him. So go go uh, uh, get Peter and have him come speak to you words of life. Uh, and so Peter spoke to words of life to them. And, and uh, he did that in Acts chapter 10. And we get down to verse 44. It says, And while, yet, uh, while Peter yet spake these words, 
the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Uh, and so then said Peter, can any forbid water? So what was the sequence of events? Uh, when they believed, uh, then they were born again at some point in time in this whole process there. So they were old wineskins. And then somewhere along the way, they believed the gospel that Peter, Peter was preaching and they became new wineskins. And that qualified them to then receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. They spoke with other tongues here. Uh, and then they were water baptized. So you can't, there's no way you can put, uh, Jesus said you can't put new wine into old wineskins so they could not receive the Holy Spirit until they became new, uh, new creatures in Christ. So they were born again, received the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with tongues. Then they were water baptized. Uh, and that should do away with all the, con the controversy of you have to be water baptized, right? Because, I mean, it says right there, and that's not the only example. There are other examples of the, of the same order of events that somebody was born again, somebody was spirit filled, and then somebody, then that same person was then water baptized. Uh, and so, uh, so water baptism is not necessary for salvation. Amen. Uh, and so and we're not trying to be uh, controversial. We're just trying to read what the word of God says. But the, the part that we, that we want to focus on for today is uh, that uh, in verse 46, it says, for they heard them speak with tongues and do what? Magnify God. So one of the values of speaking with other tongues is a good way to be able to magnify God. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you ever been just praying or worshiping the Lord and your words are not sufficient, you know, that God gets so big on the inside of you that, you know, you want to express how big he is, but you, you just can't find the words. And, and uh, you know, you can jump over into praying with other tongues and uh, then it gives you the ability to magnify God. You know, remember uh, Peter, uh, Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 14 that uh, you, you magnify the Lord well. Uh, and so speaking with other tongues allows you to magnify the Lord in a way that's not possible to do it just with your English limitations there. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, just know that that's a, it's, it's not the only way that you can magnify God because there are other times that people magnify God when a, when a, a miracle occurred, right? So uh, it's not the only way, but sometimes it's, it's helpful to pray with other tongues to get across the line, you know, to, when, you, when you want to worship the Lord and praise Him in such a way and it's, it seems to be impossible to do it uh, with just your English words, amen? Uh, and so um, let's, uh, uh, that's where we could go to a lot of different places, but... Um, Let's see. Um, well, let's go, we'll go to John 14 there um, because there's a lot of little things here that um, um, staying connected with the realm of the spirit can help you in your spiritual life. And so, you know, part of the fruit of that, of staying with the spirit uh, is um, uh, a lot of these things that we're going to mention here. So in John chapter 14, uh, it says here in verse 16, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Uh, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So at this point in time, uh, the spirit of God was only uh, with them because of Jesus, right? So Jesus was there and the spirit of God was uh, in their midst 
and so it wasn't until after the new birth that then he he got in them uh, and so the spirit of god is in you uh, and uh, the question for us is how aware are we of that indwelling presence of the spirit of god uh, you know uh, how, how many christians do you know that go for days weeks or months or years and never really know that the spirit of god dwells on the inside of them amen and so one of the great values of praying with other tongues is it reminds you of that indwelling presence of the spirit of god you know he's holy right uh and uh if you if you know that he's there you know there's a lot of things that people would not do if their mother was present with them right you know they wouldn't steal or rob or cheat or cuss or you know certain things you know sometimes i'll show up as a pastor and everybody stops cussing puts down their beer bottles you know uh and, and because just because i showed up i don't say anything i don't judge them or anything like that because i showed up you know then then they straighten up you know and i'm not you know I mean, you know, I would prefer not to listen to a bunch of cussing, but, you know, I don't make a rule that please don't cuss, you know, in front, of my, in front of me or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of people have some, at least some level of respect for, for people, especially ministers, and uh, they will straighten up. Uh, well, how, how much better is it when you know that the very presence of God is with you? Uh, and, uh, you know, I talked to a, a fellow one time, he was a Christian, but didn't believe in the work of the Holy Spirit, didn't believe in speaking with other tongues for sure, and so, you know, I started to start asking him questions. And, you know, doubt and unbelief never can withstand any scrutiny at all. Uh, and so, well, so you're saying the Spirit of God doesn't speak to you. No. So he doesn't, doesn't uh, lead you and guide you in all truth, show you things to come. No. Uh, you, you don't pray in other tongues. No. Uh, and so I said, so what's he doing? I mean, if, he, if he's the greatest power in the universe and he lives on the inside of you and he's not doing any miracles, not speaking to you, not showing you things to come, not praying with the tongues, what's, that, what's he actually doing? And, and, you know, of course, the answer is like, because uh, uh, there's no answer, right? They don't know. And so, so for that Christian, see, their knowledge of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God that's true every day is very limited. You know, they may go for days or weeks or months or maybe ever really sense the presence of God. Uh, and uh, it's really, it, to me, it's really sad because to me, there's nothing better than the presence of God. Nothing better than the, than the sweet presence of, of the Spirit of God that we sense many times in praise and worship, but you have the ability to sense Him anytime you want to. And one great way to do that uh, is to uh, speak with other tongues because it's supernatural. So you're connected with the supernatural realm when you're doing it. And if you'll, instead of letting your mind wander off, because, you know, you can, uh, you know, Paul said that, that my mind is unfruitful when I'm praying with other tongues. And a lot of times, you know, their unfruitful minds are mowing the grass or, you know, counting the chickens or whatever. Uh, and so they're not connected, right? So it's, if you'll stay focused, you know, in the spirit, you'll sense the spirit of God and the presence of God uh, when you're praying with other tongues. Uh, and so... Let's, let's turn over to, to Galatians. <clears throat> and so uh, we, know, we know this verse, but um, I think it's just good to, to read it in the context of uh, uh, tonight's uh, class here. Um, in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, Galatians chapter 5. In verse uh, uh, 16, it says... This I say then, uh, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? Uh, and so, uh, but, if you, but in order to do that, uh, to walk in the spirit, 
you know, all that means is that when you walk, you are in the spirit. You're aware of the presence of God as you walk in this. And when it means walk, if, uh, if you walk in the spirit, it just means your manner of life, what you're doing, how you're progressing in your life. So when you're walking, you're, you, you stay in the spirit. So in other words, if the spirit tells you to go left or to go, that's left, to go right, then you should go right because that's where the spirit of God's going. And a lot of times, you know, he'll tell you to go right and you just keep on going straight. And, you know, now he's over there and you're over here and he's not leaving you, forsaking you, but his will is to be over there. Uh, and that's where his presence is. That's where his manifest presence is over there. Uh, it's not where you're going. Uh, now, he's not going to leave you, forsake you or anything like that. But uh, but to, you're not walking in the spirit when you're doing that. If he's telling you to go over here and do that or go over there and say that or go over here and. Uh, and do these things or not go over there and not say these things. See, anytime that you stay in the will of God, you're staying in the spirit. Uh, and yet many times we get out of the will of God. You know, we, we leave the will of God. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, in fact, uh, you can hold your place there. We're going to come back to chapter five there. But over in, in Romans chapter 12, uh, he says uh, in verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, you know, all Christians are living in varying degrees of the will of God. You know, the ultimate is to be in perfect will of God. It means everything you do, everything you say uh, uh, is either directed by the Spirit of God or is not in violation of the Spirit of God or the Word of God. So it's not like the Lord's going to tell you to get up in the morning and use the striped-colored toothpaste versus the solid-colored toothpaste, right? So... Now, people tell me if they, the Lord does that, you know, I'm like, wow, that's really impressive, you know. I mean, I don't know if he did or not, but it just seems really suspicious that the Lord's going to tell you to use that kind of toothpaste, right? Uh, you know, I don't have a, a thus saith the Lord when I decide which tie to wear, right? Uh, usually I pick out one, and then Chris tells me it's wrong, and then I go get the other one, right? Now, that's usually the way it goes, right? Uh, and so, um, you know, there, there's, no, there's no presence of God there at all. It's just, you know, uh, what I like, and then... But every now and then I'll sneak one out there and just run out the door, you know, so she can't see it. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, there's no sky parting and no spirit of God dwelling, you know, just just life, right? You can enjoy life without making everything hyper spiritual. Because people who do that, I wonder if the Lord ever speaks to them because I just, it just, you know, I, I had, uh, we were uh, with one of the children uh, were born, people were making us food, bring it at, you know, and so. Uh, one person called me up and said, um, hey, uh, God told me to, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit told me to make, bring you chicken. Now, I love chicken. You know, by law, you're required as a minister to like chicken, right? Uh, and so, uh, so they said, well, what have you had to eat all week? I said, well, we've had chicken every night. Uh, and so, well, then they brought, you know, something else like meatloaf or something else when they got there. Now, they, were tell they told me they were going to bring chicken. Now, you know, for me, I, I could eat chicken. I mean, every day it wouldn't bother me. I could eat a sandwich every day, you know. Um, you, know I, I, you know, I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you know. And I, I'm pretty sure my left leg is all peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I've ate so many of them in my life. Uh, but um, uh, but well, they, they brought something else. So, so one or two things happened. Either the Spirit of God didn't tell them to bring chicken or he did and they, and they are in rebellion. So either way... They either lied or they're in rebellion. Uh, so I don't know which one it is, but, you know, and I'm not their judge. So they, have, they can stand before the Lord and, and uh, take care of their chicken sin, I guess. But um, uh, now, did the Lord tell them to bring chicken? I have no idea. 
But I just wonder sometimes, you know, people hyper-spiritualize everything in their life. You know, that, that uh, you know, the Lord gave you a will. That means it, it has the capacity to make its own decisions, right? It, in fact, every dis- everything you do is your decision. You can follow the Lord by your decision, or you can rebel against the Lord by your decision. So you do have a will. You do have things that you like, things that you don't like. And it's okay to exercise those if nothing else is going on. Now, it's always good to keep an ear towards heaven because he may want to override that. And a submitted Christian should always have the ability to allow the Lord to override them. If, you know, they're minding their own business, going down the street, the Lord says, hey, hang a left. I mean, you were planning on going down there and doing whatever, you know, getting a cheeseburger or something. The Lord wants you to go over there and take care of something else. Well, you know, as Christians that walk in the spirit, you will be available to do that when he tells you to do that. But if heaven doesn't have a plan other than you going down and getting your cheeseburger, then go down and get your cheeseburger. You know, it, it's okay. But some people hyper-spiritualize everything. That, that It's like they, they're just a lump. They have no plan, no will, no desires. Just, oh, Lord, whatever you want. Well, he made you in his image. Does the Lord have desires and wants? He does. You know, he desires every person on the earth to be born again, doesn't he? He desires every person to be physically well in the earth. Uh, he's got a will and desire. So if he made you in his image, then you have wills and desires. And, and, and most people would acknowledge that until they get in the church. And then they become, you know, hyper-religious and, and act like they don't really have a desire for anything. Like, sure you do. You know, just put a donut on the, on the, on the countertop and see if you don't have a desire, right? Uh, and so, so there are varying levels of the will of God that Christians live in. And the, the closer you can live to 100% of the will of God the closer you are into walking in the spirit all the time. Uh, and so you have to train yourself to, to when, the, when, the, when the spirit of God reveals his will for your life. And he'll do it in small ways and big ways. A lot of times he'll do it and just as train you. You know, he'll do, uh, uh, pro- provide you some small thing to do. Uh, I know uh, uh, one of the stories that Brother Hagen told uh, years ago was that uh, one time this fellow came in his church uh, and, and uh, uh, the Lord said, uh, you give him give him twenty dollars out of your own pocket. When the, this is back, you know, like depression days when twenty dollars was a lot of money, right? I mean, real money. Uh, and um, um, you know, I was looking at something um, the other day. It was oh, it was a sign for cheeseburgers, right? In fact, it was cheese. You know, maybe I got cheeseburgers on the brain or something. I don't know, but uh, twenty cents for a cheeseburger, twenty cents, right? So you know, if you if you're going to give somebody twenty dollars that's that's a hundred cheeseburgers right that's a lot of cheeseburgers right i mean you know i haven't eaten a hundred cheeseburgers in the last hundred well i was going to say 20 years but i don't know i mean i used to eat a lot more cheeseburgers than i do now but but anyway 20 cents a cheeseburger right uh and so uh and he's like well you know it's getting close to christmas time and i was you know you plan on using that money for this or that and uh and the lord said you need you need to give him that money all right so you know he did it you know and then um and then there was another event that occurred something similar to that uh that he needed to give somebody some money and of course you know uh, sometimes you negotiate with the lord well lord you understand as if the lord doesn't know um, i need this money for this thing over here you know and is the lord ever like oh you're right i forgot about that you know he never he's never that way so i don't know why we argue with him you know uh but um uh but uh, he did it anyway well, two years later, uh, this person comes into his church in a wheelchair. And the Lord says, I want you to go minister to him this way. Go up there and say these things, and then um, and they'll come up out of that wheelchair. 
And so he went up there and said those things and they came up out of the wheelchair. And right immediately after that, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, and reminded about those two things that he had done two years before. And said, if you hadn't obeyed me then, I couldn't have used you now. So how many things have we not been able to be used of the Lord today because of the rebellion we had in our hearts a year ago, two years ago? Hey, give that away. Well, Lord, I can't give that away. Uh, you know, I, I, I might need that someday. You ever know people who just, you know, I know there's hoarders, which, you know, they need deliverance, you know, but there's just selfish, generally selfish people too. Hey, you know, are you using that? No, well, can I borrow it? No. Well, why not? Well, I might need it someday, you know. Yeah, but you haven't used it in 80 years. Yeah, but someday, you know. Uh, you do whatever you want to do with your stuff. I don't care, you know, but, but just, you know, there's sometimes, you, you know, people are, become so selfish and so self-centered there's no way a selfish person could ever be used of the Lord. There's no way a selfish person could ever be in the, in the perfect will of God because God's always going to have you giving, right? He's always going to have you either giving your time, giving your finances, giving of your stuff, giving your knowledge. You ever known people who are stingy with their knowledge? Uh, they won't help you for anything, right? Uh, and because they're afraid if they tell you, then you know as much as they do. Well, so that's the last thing you're ever going to learn in your life? You're never going to learn anything else? I mean, I'm always hoping to learn new things. And I'm, in fact, I want everybody to know everything I know so I can move on. Because if I, if I tell you everything I know, then you know that. Then we could move on together and go f- figure out something else. Amen? Uh, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I'd tell... Uh, I, I, I'm more the opposite, you know. I'll give people way too much information, you know. Well, you can take the square root of that, you know, and, then, and you've already lost them after square root, right? Uh, and so... Some things you don't have to tell, you know, to tell everybody about everything. Uh, but a selfish person will never be in the perfect will of God. So that means they'll never know the fullness of his presence. And they'll never know how to fully walk in the spirit. And if they don't know how to fully walk in the spirit, so then we could go back to then the book of Galatians. So if you're, not, if you're not willing to walk in the perfect will of God, and see, a lot of people are of the opinion that if I walk in the perfect will of God, I will lose everything, which is so wrong. Because if you walk in the perfect will of God, you will gain everything. You'll gain access to heaven. You'll gain access to spiritual gifts. You'll gain access to the spiritual knowledge. You'll gain access to everything uh, if, if uh, you walk in his perfect will. Uh, and yeah, the Lord may say, well, hey, you need to stop doing that. Or hey, you need to get rid of that thing out of your life. You need to quit doing that. Uh, whatever those things are. But are you willing to do that? You know, is the cost uh, okay for you to, to, to give that up in your life or to start doing that thing in your life? That's really for you to decide. But, but if you see the value of these things, if you see what he said in Galatians chapter 5, uh, in verse 16, this I say, then walk in the Spirit. So that means if to fully walk in the Spirit of God is to fully walk in His will. The result of that, the fruit of that, is that you will never fulfill the lust of the flesh. He never said that the lust of the flesh will go away. The lust of the flesh will always remain as, as long as we live in this mortal body. But... Uh, your spirit man be so strong and so empowered that when the lust of the flesh rises up, you'll be like, whatever, you know, go away. I don't even have time for that. It's not even an issue. Because if you walk in the spirit, he said you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So to me, this is much better to teach this uh, than it is to teach you, here's a list of sins, stop doing those things. Because then all you're focused on is sin, 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 sin. And what you're doing wrong, 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 wrong as opposed to what's the will of God, what's the will of God, what's the will of God. And so one of the ways that you can learn how to walk in the Spirit is 
by praying with other tongues because you remember at the beginning of chapter 14 it says uh, how be it in the spirit you speak mysteries so uh, the only way that you're going to walk in the perfect will of God is to know what the will of God is and if you don't know what the will of God is for you tomorrow it's a mystery isn't it and so one of the ways to find out what the will of God is is to spend time praying in other tongues and then you'll just know well I, I need to go down and do this or I need to go down and buy that or I need, you know whatever whatever you know, uh, how many times has people said, well, if you get the job, it must have been God's will. Mm. And you didn't get the job. Well, I guess God didn't want you to have that job. Mm. Is that how we measure the will of God? By the circumstances we observe? No, you should know by the revealed presence of the Holy Spirit what it is that you're supposed to be doing. So if that job's for you, then, uh, then that job's for you. Then you, you believe God for that job. Now, you know, sometimes those things, you know, sometimes they do fail. And if it's things that deal with other people, sometimes the will of God is not fulfilled. You remember Paul said that he was wanting to go somewhere and he said Satan hindered him. So it was the will of God for him to go, but he couldn't go. Because the, the, either the people that he needed to get him there, the people that was going to receive him there, somebody wasn't doing their part. And so he wasn't able to fulfill the will of God, even though he knew the will of God. But he, couldn't, but he couldn't fulfill the will of God. Now, other things like your personal health in your body, that's got nothing to do with anybody else. So you can live in divine health all the days of your life without depending on anybody else. But sometimes, you know, if you need a job, uh, but that, you know, I, I want to caution you, that's not an excuse for you not believing God, right? Uh, don't always blame somebody else for you not getting something that you want, right? Well, they, they just aren't on the will of God. Well, did you actually pray? Well, no. Did you believe God? Well, no, I just figured he'd do it, you know. Well, then it's not down them, it's on you. If you'd believed God, you would have got there. So, uh, but there are times when, you know, you're supposed to buy something and, or sell something or get a job or whatever. Uh, but you should know going in whether or not it's the will of God. Uh, and so, you know, there have been times when, when I've done some business dealings and most of the time, you know, they've always, always been successful. Uh, but sometimes they've fallen through, and, and I knew it was, it was the Spirit of God to do it, but there are other people involved, uh, and so you move on, amen, with those things, but, but you should still do it by knowledge. You should do those things uh, with, the, with the clear knowledge of the will of God in your life, because if you're praying with other tongues, how be it in the Spirit, he speaketh mysteries, you speak mysteries, then they become revealed knowledge to you, and you know that I should do this thing, or buy that thing, or sell that thing, and that's a, a lot better way to live than well, let's just throw the dice out there, you know, throw a dart, and if it sticks, okay, that's the will of God. Well, you might have bought a lemon, right? Or you might, uh, you might have missed out on a great deal. Uh, and if you'd prayed through, the Lord could have encouraged them or motivated them to yield to uh, his desire, which is to, for you to have that thing. So uh, I, I never like it when see, people say, well, you know, you, know, you know how you know if it's will of God, whether you get it or not. That is the last way that I determine the will of God. In fact, I never use that to, to determine the will of God. But plenty of Christians do, and, and uh, uh, they forget that Galatians 5.16 exists in the Bible, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it comes down there at, the, at verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So your manner of life should be uh, Spirit-filled all the time. And if you really will pray in other tongues, you will not be one of these flaky people. That, you know, God showed me which tie to wear. You know, God showed me this and God showed me that. You know, God told me what color car to buy. 
Well, well, why would God care what color car you buy? I mean, don't you have a desire? Don't you have a preference, you know? Uh, I mean, do you like, you know, uh, lemon yellow? Maybe you do. You know, I don't know. Well, God told me to buy it. You like yellow? No, I really despise yellow, but the Lord told me to buy that yellow car. Well, I mean, maybe he did, you know. I'm nobody's judge, but it just seems real fishy to me that you don't like yellow, but he told you to buy the yellow car, right? Uh, surely there's one car that, color that you like out there that's available to you. Uh, and so uh, we've got to be careful about making up uh, uh, things like that and saying that God uh, spoke to us uh, when he really didn't actually speak to us. Amen. Uh, and then uh, let's go over to Romans chapter 8. Uh, and so he says here, um, well, let's see. Just, I mean, we, can, we can't go all the way back to verse 1. We'll be here for the, for the next forever, right? Um, uh, but, uh, I mean, I love Romans chapter 8. It's just a great, uh, uh, it's just a great uh, chapter there. But let's just start in verse 24. It says, for we are saved, that word saved there is sozo, we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? So, uh, you know, when redemption was completed at the resurrection, right? So redemption wasn't completed at the cross. Redemption was completed at the resurrection. Um, the Lord paid for everything that ever needs to be done for you. Amen. He's not going to go back to the cross. He's not going to shed any more blood. He's not going to pay any more price. All the price that's ever going to be paid for has been paid for at this point in time. But if you look at the condition of our lives, as soon as we become Christians, our spirits are born again. And so we see the full manifestation of redemption in our spirits. But our bodies are, are, not, are not manifested as glorified bodies yet. So the price to become a glorified body has been paid for by Jesus. But the, the manifestation of the redemption of our bodies won't occur until sometime in the future, right? When we get glorified bodies. So when you say that we're saved in hope, that's the part of the hope that we're still waiting on, right? So we're saved immediately in our spirits and uh, receive the, the manifestation of uh, redemption in our spirits. But uh, our bodies are on uh, a delay, right? Uh, and so when is that? We don't know when that is, but whenever that is, it'll be a good day, right? We get out of this, these, uh, these death-doomed bodies, and we get uh, immortal bodies. And so uh, he said if, uh, we are saved by hope. Uh, and so, but hope that is seen is not hope. So if you had a glorified body, then there's, there's no hoping you've already got it, right? So it's hope is in the future. Uh, uh, and he says in verse 26, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Now, this is not talking about sickness and disease. This is talking about weakness because the word infirmity, uh, we studied this, I think, a few weeks back in uh, healing school. The word infirmities primarily means weakness but it uh, it always means weakness but it could be weakness of the flesh in the sense of uh, uh, sickness and disease it could mean weakness of the flesh in the sense of you yielding to sin or in this case it means weakness in your ability to pray the perfect prayer so uh, it's not talking about sin it's not talking about disease it's talking about your inability to fully accomplish god's will in the earth uh, and so uh, he said, uh, he helps our infirmities for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So what's the infirmity or the weakness or the inability? It's our ability to know exactly how we should pray when prayer needs to be done. So so-and-so can say, hey, you know, would you pray for me? You know, well, well, what do you want? Well, I want this job. Well, okay. 
but you don't know what exactly what you should pray for for them to get that job. Is it praying for their boss? Is it praying for the company? Is it praying for them to be to do good in the interview? Is it praying for? I mean, it could be a thousand things, right? Uh, what's the perfect prayer for them to get that job? Because if they go in and have, you know, a, a bad first impression, going, you know, slobby hair, you know, uh, terrible clothes or whatever, you know, haven't taken a bath in a week or what, you know, whatever the deal is. You can pray all day long, you know, if they're not willing to do their part, you know, you can't pray above, beyond their ability there. Uh, and so your prayer might need to be, Lord, you know, kick them in the behind, tell them to straighten up, you know, and, and talk like a normal person. Don't going to just, you know, be rude and disrespectful. So it could be a lot of things, right? You don't know exactly what the, now if it's for you, typically you would know for you how to pray. But even for you, you know, if you've got two jobs and, and job A and job B and you don't know which one's the best job, well, then, then you don't know how to pray. I mean, Lord, I, I mean, I want a job, and I got these two good job offers. I don't know which one is the best one for me. Everything seems to be pretty good, you know, uh, down, the, down the middle there. But it really, anything that you don't know exactly how to pray for, then who, who is your helper? Because the, the, uh, remember when Jesus said, I'll send the comforter, but that word comforter is the Greek word paraclete, which means one of the, one of the definitions of that is helper. So uh, he, he is our helper, right? The, the Spirit of God helpeth our infirmities, for we know not to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, or rather himself, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Uh, and uh, one scholar said that cannot be uttered in articulate speech. So in other words, you can't speak it out in English because you don't have the words to speak it correctly. So how is he going to help you? with groanings which cannot be uttered in articulate speech. Well, that's going to be through the praying, speaking in other tongues. Amen. Now, if you don't have that ability to speak with other tongues, if you think that's not for you, then the Spirit is unable to help you to pray for the things that you don't know how to pray for. So you're kind of stuck. You can pray as, as far as your natural ability allows you to go. But, but the, and that's pretty short, right? That's about like this far. And then, uh, and then after that, you don't have any other tools available to you if you don't believe in speaking with other tongues. But if you do believe in speaking of the tongues, then the Spirit has the capacity, the ability, the Spirit of God can, can hook up with you uh, and join with you together, right? Because if two of you gather, uh, uh, gather together in His name, right? If two of you agree of touching anything on the earth, well, you and the Holy Spirit are two people, aren't you? Uh, then you can get the job done. Uh, and so, uh, and then just as a side note, since we're here in Romans chapter uh, 8, I'm going to read verse 28. It's not going to anything to do with prayer, but I just like it there. Uh, and it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And this verse has been used to uh, correct every disaster in the entire world, right? Uh, and I've always wondered, you know, why, why is it that we use it only in the negative uh, backward sense? Because if he works all things together for good... Why aren't they prepared for good for you before you get there? Because if it's already uh, working together, together for you good when you arrive, then there won't be a disaster. Uh, and, and the Lord's not about yesterday. Now, he, can he fix things? Well, sure he can. But that's not what this, this scripture is here for. The scripture is so that when you believe in God, so that when you arrive, things are going to be okay. All things work together for good, for good when you arrive. Uh, it's not about when, when the tornado strikes and your house burns down then God's going to work out for you good. You're going to get a new house. Well, that's great, but you know how aggravating it would be to wait for a new house to be built and go find 
all new furniture and go pick out all the paint colors and anybody ever built a house you know uh, how many decisions you got to make to build a house right uh, and you're not going to build it the same way there's no way i mean if, if uh if we got a whole new house there's no way my wife would say i want everything to be exactly the way it was yesterday right uh now if it's me you'd be like well yeah we already picked a color gray you know the doorknobs are this color you know just just rinse and repeat right but no no my wife be like no we already did that once what's wrong with repeating it it's okay to repeat it you know uh and so uh but no uh, romans eight twenty eight is is talking about um you having faith that when you arrive that things are going to work uh, to your benefit amen uh and and that's really you're praying about things that are happening today and happening tomorrow you can't pray and change things that happened yesterday there's no you can't do that right it's already a done deal uh and so but a lot of them um a lot of folks will will um uh look at that thing in the backward sense so uh yeah we can go there let's let's turn to james uh chapter three and then we'll finish up with that there as well so uh one of the things that's common in in our lives is that we're so used to walking in the natural realm uh, that you know our natural carnal self um, just takes over and runs runs our lives all the time uh, and, and we're so used to that uh, and we're so unaware of the spirit realm that that we're just we're just used to and comfortable with leaving carnal lives and 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 carnal means natural it doesn't mean you know uh, carnal sins like sexual sins or anything like that it just means living in this natural realm the realm of the sense realm amen uh, and uh, if we're not careful, we'll lead our lives only in the sense realm and we'll never be spirit-filled, spirit-led Christians. And so uh, we know here uh, in, in um, James chapter 3, um, it says in verse, uh, in, in verse well, um, we'll just start in verse 1. How's that? My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, or many teachers uh, uh, and we're not condemned by being teachers but there is great judgment uh, greater judgment if you are a teacher because you are responsible for what people know so if i get up here and say a bunch of crazy things i'm going to get judged for saying a bunch of crazy things to you all amen uh, and, and you know it's a grave to me it's a it's a grave responsibility to stand behind a pulpit ever uh, and i take it with great seriousness uh, because of verses like this for in many things we offend all if any man offend not in word the same as a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body behold we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds yet they are turned yet are they turned about with so very small helm whithersoever the governor listeth even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. How many wars in the world have been started because somebody said something to somebody? You know, your mama. Oh, and then the war's on, right? Uh, and, uh, and the tongue is a fire, verse 6, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of the birds and serpents and things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. 
So James must have got his feelings hurt by somebody saying something mean to him one time or another. You know, I don't know. He's really seemed to be touchy about our tongues, right? I mean, you know, whatever, whatever experience he went through must have been pretty rough, right? Uh, and, be, and, you know, have you observed that words that some people can say the most unkind words? Uh, you know, it's been my observation that the people who have the greatest ability to say the, the most unkind things are church people. Because they know exactly that the, the things to say that the most unkind things to say. The world isn't even smart enough to say that kind of level of unkind things. But, you know, in the same, same boat, the, the kindest people I've ever met are also church people, too. So all church people aren't terrible people, obviously. Uh, in fact, I think the vast majority of church people are wonderful people. Uh, just on occasion, you know, it's because you get one bad apple. You know, if you get one bad apple out of a whole bushel, what's the only thing you see? one bad apple right so sometimes we forget about all the good apples right uh, but if you want to learn how to tame your tongue if you want to be a person who speaks good words right because uh, the bible talks a lot about your tongue and about letting every word be words of grace right uh, and um, uh, in fact he comes down and can you just talk about that uh, in verse 9 he says therewith we bless uh, therewith bless we god even the father and therewith bless we men which are made after the uh, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things what? Ought not be so. Uh, ought not to be, ought not so to be. So, uh, and I always ask the question, well, why did he write it? Because they are so. He said they ought not be so, but he wrote them because they are so. Blessing and cursing came from some, now he said brethren, right? So in the church, the blessing and cursing comes from the same mouth. You ever heard Christians cuss, you know? Uh, but they'll go to church and raise their hands and say, Lord, I love you. When they turn and cuss on a Monday, right? Well, that's what's that called? Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth, right? And what did James say? These things ought not be so, right? Uh, and so what's the problem? Well, the problem is we're not spending enough time speaking uh, with other tongues and being connected to the realm of the Spirit. And so our tongues... Uh, what do you call it, an un, unruly evil. Unruly evil. Uh, and why are our tongues unruly evils? Because we will not speak in other tongues. We will not stay connected to the realm of the Spirit. And so we live in the natural realm only, in the carnal realm, in this realm that, that we can touch and see and feel and, and hear, right? Uh, and so uh, if you want to learn how to be a person who doesn't say things like that, then you need to speak to uh, pray in other tongues more. And let's just go one more place just to, to kind of bring that point home a little bit. Go back to Romans chapter 8. Um, again, I love Romans chapter 8, so we get to go back and look at something else here in Romans chapter 8. Uh, he says uh, in verse 6, uh, for to be carnally minded is death. Now, the word carnal there is natural, right? It, it means natural. It doesn't mean you know, carnal, like carnal sins, like bad sins. Specifically, it means staying in this natural realm, not in the spirit realm like you're supposed to be when you're praying with other tongues, but in this natural realm. So to be carnally minded or naturally minded is death. Now, the word death uh, can mean uh, without power. So it doesn't mean that you stop existing, that you stop uh, your heart beating and you, you cease to exist. It means that you are living a life without power. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Well, how do you get spiritually minded? Well, you stay in the spirit. You pray in the spirit. Uh, and, and I think uh, one the greatest fault, I believe, in the church is not praying enough in the spirit. We tend to stay natural. 
you know, how, how much uh, wars and rumors of wars go on in churches all the time? Fightings and arguing and, and unkindness go on in churches all the time, every day. And the root cause of it is they're carnally minded. They're just naturally minded. Now, I remember one time my pastor had me deal with a situation, you know, uh, he always had me deal with things he didn't want to deal with, you know, so you go deal with that. Okay, you know, uh, you know. But, you know, the, the, there was a fellowship hall and people would sign up to use the fellowship hall for their events in the church. And, and so the college aides had, had, it, had it scheduled to use it for their event and then the women's group had it scheduled for their event and one was supposed to follow the other. Well, last year, the college aides, you know, it was like one, one time a year, right? This, whatever this event was, they both have it on the same day. I don't know why, but whatever reason. Uh, but the, the college group went over their time. So it's supposed to end at two and they went to like, you know, two, two, minute, two minutes after or something. I don't know what the time was, but whatever it was, you know, might have been 30 seconds after two o'clock. Uh, and so now there's argue, they're arguing, you know, about, you know, the, the next meeting's coming up. It's been a whole year now, right? The next meeting's coming up. Now they're arguing. Well, you know, you need to, you know, uh, leave on time. And, well, okay. Uh, and so the, the pastor, you go deal with that. And so, of course, I didn't know what was going on. I said, what's the problem? Well, last year, you know, he scheduled this time for the college group, and he went over his time. And he don't need to be doing that because it's our time, and we need to have the room there, you know. I mean, he's mad, you know. I mean, really? You know, you think, it, you know, somebody slapped a child or something, you know, something real, I mean, a real problem, right? He went over his time, you know. And, and, and I said, well, okay. So I looked at the college-age guy. I said, are you going to leave on time? Yeah. So I looked at the mad hen and I said, anything else? I mean, he said he's going to leave on time. Well, he better leave on time. I, well, he just said he would. What, you want like an arm or something? You want, you know, like something written in blood or a contract? Or, I mean, he just said he would. So why are you arguing? Because the carnal, natural, right? Well, it's important to have it on time. Okay. Is it more important how you treat your brother? You know, is it, is it more important than, than maybe God is raising somebody from the dead, you know, right at, you know, 1.59 p.m.? Well, God, you need to do it on time, you know. Okay, well, I, mean, I mean, I don't know what was going on. They went over and they could have just been lazy, right, and gone over. They don't have to be spiritual. Could have been, but uh, aren't we supposed to prefer our brother? I mean, what's it matter if it's a, you know, I know, you know, if it says 2 o'clock, you should start at 2 o'clock. But, you know, things happen. I mean, there's been, you know, in the, uh, what, uh, 13 years we've been pastoring we've been late starting the service like twice or three times maybe i'm not been out of shape you know if i'm talking to somebody and, and you know it's an important thing other than just talking about how how you know big their motor is on the lawnmower or something like that but if it's something important you know I, I will you know not just cut them off and just walk away you know uh it's uh, uh there, there are important things and there are things that are not so important uh but see to be carnally minded is death and that what he said? That's pretty strong words. And if you want to be a Christian who's not carnally minded, you need to spend time praying in the Spirit. If you don't want to be such a touchy person, everything, you know, well, they got my chair. You know, well, they got the last chicken leg. Yeah, I mean, you want to see how spiritual people are? You put one chicken leg out. Uh-oh. Right? And then, you know, then it's a fight. Then you, then you see the elbowing, you know, and people, you know, cutting the line, and, you know, getting over here, and, you know, you know they're, they're already got it planned out. Well, okay, there's three left, you know, but I'm fourth in line, so I need to figure out how to get one, you know, in front of that guy over there. You know, I mean, it, uh, I mean, just it's amazing. You know, I haven't seen around here much, but, you know, when we used to be with my pastor. We'd have 100 people come to the church meal and, you know, we'd have a church meal on a Sunday night, typically there. And, and it's always amazing. Like, who's that guy there? I have never seen that person before. You know, how they know we have food? 
you know, they would just know, right? And, and uh, I mean, we know, and they would never come back again, right? They only come there to eat and then leave. Uh, and so, uh, but, but a good solution for being a carnal Christian, a natural Christian, is to pray with other tongues a lot. Uh, and if you find yourself being a carnal Christian, uh, you need to pray more. Uh, and, and one of the things that's, you know, uh, a lot of times what happens, and, and we'll go, but a lot of times what happens is because we're trained in the church of what we should look like as Christians, many times we will put on the air of spirituality, but we're still carnal. Uh, have you ever seen somebody who's like a singer uh, and they stand before the people and they're singing, uh, singing, you know, before the people and all the words are perfect, but they're as carnal as the day is long because everything about them is them. And all the words are good. Music has a good beat to it, you know. Everything seems fine on the, on the surface. But it just, just down here, it's like, you know, and why is that? Because it's, it's all about them, right? And they'll say something spiritual like, oh, don't, think, don't look at me. I'm just a humble servant of God, you know. And what they're really saying is, oh, please look at me. I'm such a special person, you know. But see, they, they're faking it, right? And you can tell when you're faking it. And, and they do that because, you know, they've got the talent, uh, the God-given talent, but they haven't spent enough time in the realm of the Spirit to make it a spiritual thing. And so they like the accolades. They like people bragging, oh, that was a wonderful song, you know. Uh, you know, I'm over there, you know, looking for, looking for the little bags they put behind the seats on the airplanes, you know, because I'm about to lose my cookies because it's so distasteful, you know, that it's just gross when, when people are carnal and trying to lead people in, in worship. It's just, to me, it's just, I, I don't know too many things that are less distasteful than that. Uh, but they're carnal, that, and that's why they're naturally minded. It's all about them and getting the attention, amen? Now, now that sounds funny coming from somebody standing up front, right? You know, but, but uh, you know, I want no attention brought to me even though I'm up front, but, um, uh, you know, every now and then you, you do, you know, like, like uh, Pastor Appreciation Day or something like that. I mean, I'd rather eat, eat dirt than, than listen to all that stuff, you know, most of the time, because it's just, oh, Pastor's so wonderful, he's such a good pastor, you know, and which I know is all true, of course, but, but I mean, I'd rather, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Just if I never heard that again the rest of my life, you know, I'd be okay, amen? Uh, and I got nothing, there's no, nothing wrong with doing that. It's just um, I don't desire and look for any attention, amen? Uh, and so a solution to all, all these problems is pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit more. What did Paul say? I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all. And, yet, and so what was Paul the very best at? He was the greatest apostle of all the living apostles, amen? Wrote more than the New Testament than any other apostle, had greater revelation than any other apostle. Well, how did he get there? He got there because he spoke with other tongues. I pray in tongues more than you all. I speak mysteries that nobody has known or heard for before the foundation of the world, and I brought them out because I prayed it. Now, he didn't brag on it that way, but that's how he did it. He got there by praying with other tongues. You want to be a great spiritual person? You pray in other tongues. It's not about, well, I give more money to the poor. I help the more, most need, needy people. You pray in other tongues the most, you'll be the greatest spiritual person that there ever was. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you uh, for the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that, that it's a solution to so many problems in our lives that if we would pray in the Spirit, Father, pray with other tongues. Uh, and, Father, we just thank you that most of the 
Basha Fatoroko, Boruko Tambataraki, Badalabeki, Borfuko Subotoroko Fandamaki, Beshi Debate Amataraku, Bosho Fotoroko Kamataraki. For the Spirit of God says that praying in other spirit is the doorway to the spirit realm, that connections to the realms of heaven, to the realms of my will and realms of my words are brought together with people in the earth by the spending time in praying in other tongues. So be encouraged to pray in the Spirit, a gift that I spent many years in great, at great cost to bring it into the earth. And as the head of the church, my plan is for every church member, every child of God, every child of mine, to speak in other tongues, to stay connected to this realm of the Spirit where I reside, to see and hear things that, that heretofore have not been heard and not been seen, to know paths and directions and guidance, that are available only on the other side of the mysteries that are spoken out by praying in other tongues. So pray in tongues, believe in the Spirit, and you see your life increase, and see the faith of God increase, and see your ability to walk in my perfect will increase, and all will be well, and lives will be enhanced, and spiritual growth will occur. Thank you, Father. So, Father, we commit ourselves to pray in other tongues. We commit ourselves to pray in the Spirit as Paul instructed us, as you instructed us through the hands of Paul, through the words that Paul wrote for us. Father, we will pray in other tongues, and we will see increase in our lives, Father, and we will walk more closely with your will. And we thank you for it, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good, amen. So, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. Do you know the answer to that? <laughs> well i mean i'll tell you what i think is i really have no idea uh i mean from we know that it was prophesied in the book of isaiah with stammering lips and tongues that he would speak to his people uh, and uh what i part of what i believe it's just it's not a big part of it is he wanted something that was unique that was not available in the old testament because tongues are the only spiritual gift that's unique to the old testament even jesus didn't speak with other tongues right so uh so uh it's something that he wanted to do that was unique with the new testament with the new covenant right so we have a new covenant and so anytime he did a new covenant it was always something new he brought along with it and and that's i mean that's really the only thing that i can see that seems like he wanted to just really put a bow tie on the new covenant that here's a new covenant i'm going to provide a spiritual gift that all the other eight gifts of the Spirit, well, you've got tongues and interpretation of tongues, so that's two of them, right? But the other seven gifts of the Spirit were all in manifestation, both in Jesus' ministry and in the Old Covenant. But tongues are unique to us, and so the church age is a unique age, right? That's, that's unique in the history of mankind. So, uh, And that's the only thing that I can see that I've seen from the Word of God is that He wanted to make it unique. Uh, and, and we have the value. You know, the other part is really, I think, more important is is that it's a supernatural gift that is easy to observe. Uh, you know, if it's a word of knowledge, 
I mean, you could fake that, right? You could just read somebody's history in a paper and go, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, what's that? Well, they can. But, but I mean, for you personally, you know, uh, I mean, I guess you would, you could fake it, but for you, why would you fake it yourself, right? You know, uh, but uh, for you personally, it gives you a, a connection to the realm of the spirit. And, and I think that's really the primary purpose of it. But he did want to make it unique, I think, for the new covenant. So uh, that's not, is that what Ron told you? Uh, who, uh, oh, Ronnie's dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he tell you? Because he, he's a great man of God, right? Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I, right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, those two cents and two cents, that's, we're up to four cents now, right? So uh, that's, uh, um, but, I, you know, that uh, if you're praying with the tongues, you're not, you know, uh, you're not speaking evil, right? Unruly evil, right? And so uh, it's, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I think a lot of our problems would be resolved if we would speak in tongues more. Uh, and we would become less carnal people and more spiritual people and, uh, and um, and so anyway, we'll, maybe we'll get there, right? Uh, I think it's the Lord's plan and desire that we get there, Amen. And so so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And uh, and I do I do strongly believe that uh, that there's so much carnality in the body of Christ that would be resolved just naturally, like Galatians five sixteen said that if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so that doesn't just mean sin, but it also means you know, the whole carnality of Christianity, right? Where you have the ability to sing, but it's still carnal. Uh, you know, that would be done away with if, if those people would pray in tongues more, right? So come ahead, Jared. And, uh, and so, uh, but we'll get there, right? I believe we can get there. Um, and, you know, I have found in my own life that the more that I pray in other tongues, the closer to the Lord I am. Not that, it's not that, you know, he loves me more. It's just that, you know, I want to stay close to him. Because carnal Christians, you know, they're going to make it to heaven. I believe they'd go to heaven. I'm not your judge. But a lot of carnal Christians that live so far away from the Lord, you know, they go to church all the time, right? And look like, looked apart, but they're just carnal, arguing about some fellowship hall, you know, last chicken leg. I mean, what in the world, right? But um, praise God. What's that? It's hard to argue if you're speaking in tongues, right? So... Anyway, praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Y'all be blessed, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday. What's that?